Welcome, everybody, to another NPCs Discuss. We've decided to split this off from the regular podcast into its own separate entity. This week, in the video game Days of Yore, a player would be able to purchase a game from KD Toys or Kmart and know that they were getting a fully functional and complete title. As the internet entered our homes and our consoles, games that were considered complete were found with game-breaking bugs or missing content. And thus, the Day 1 patch was born. And to top it off, game companies felt the need to be sure we were always connected to the internet, even if a game may not look like it requires it. Couch co-op was relegated to party games, and game series that used to offer split-screen now require two consoles to play. In this week's NPCs Discuss, we talk online only. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. And welcome back, everybody, to this week's NPCs Discuss. Of course, my name is Travis, and I am joined by Kyle. Kyle, good evening. What's up? What's up? Not much, man. Not much at all. So this week in our uh, news section, NPCs Discuss, we are talking, of course, about online only. And it has become more and more clear that, and I, I really think we've seen this, especially over the years, that the online component of video games is becoming more and more the focus uh, games such as Outriders and the upcoming Back for Blood require online connectivity, and Outriders itself has been plagued with problems where save uh, there's not actual points to save your game. So if you end up playing through a certain point and you have an internet connectivity problem, you know the cat chews through your Ethernet cable, or maybe the game downloads an update. There's no way to really recover some of that progress. You're talking about hours upon hours of content that you have to go back through again just to get where you were. We go back and look through the rest of the history of online only. We're also looking at day one patches and the fact that we are seeing more and more games, especially like Cyberpunk 2077, that didn't really ship as complete as it could and, of course, is now part of a class action lawsuit. We could even go farther back looking at Co-op and seeing how co-op evolved from being the one game split screen for a bunch of people to play in the same household to now requiring potentially two, three, maybe even four consoles to get the exact same experience. So insanity. Agreed. So (laughs) starting off with this, of course, though, let's let's kind of work with this here, of course. The intro, you know, I, I dropped some really old names there for people, KB Toys and Kmart, because as a kid, that's where I got my video games at. Uh, you know, it was easy enough because, you know, K, uh, KB Toys was in the mall. So being the only, like, dedicated toy store we had in town at the time, it was the place to go because you had toys all over the place, but then you had video games behind the counter. And Kmart, of course, definitely was more affordable in some ways than, say, going to Walmart at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh so you'd always pass by the electronics area and there's all the video games that are out that you could pick up for, you know, your, your favorite classic consoles, at least what they are now. Um, so circling on some of that, of course, I want you to really think there, Kyle, because I can't think of necessarily anything like this, say for going farther ahead to more like the PlayStation two days, but can mm-hmm. you think of a game that shipped with a game breaking bug or problem in it, you, I mean, you're thinking like early CD and cartridge consoles. 
specifically looking at that can you think of any of them that shipped with a game breaking bug that couldn't be fixed without necessarily like recalling all the cartridges or even the cds and like sending them back out not right off i can't i'm i'm sure if i if i did some thinking for long and hard i probably could i can think of games though that were extremely buggy on release that that still were released like uh Think of uh, well, oh, true crime streets of L.A. That was oh, that's one yeah. that actually immediately comes to mind, specifically because when I was at work just yesterday, I went to go put out a greatest hits PS2 copy of uh, True Crime Streets of L.A. and I almost bought it, and then I was like, wait a minute, I beat this game on a rental, and it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> because it was so glitchy. There were points where you would go problem. to a section. Yeah, you would go to a section of town um and the like there was a fence that that like separated the world from what was outside the world essentially. But at one point the fence just kind of lifted off from the ground and like started hovering up into the air and you could just walk right underneath it and walk outside and eventually if you walked far enough out you just fall through and die or you could just get stuck out there and you'd have to reload your save because there was nothing you could really do but on the other hand i mean if you could get a car stuck out there um you could uh do some pretty weird stuff with a car it was like really bugged out uh just in gameplay um i think in games like that and like granted it was a greatest hits copy that i happened to be holding at work the other day and I wondered, you know, if I picked up that greatest hits copy, would mm-hmm. it be any better? I think about games like uh like Grand Theft Auto, uh what was it, San Andreas. Mm-hmm. They had to release two separate copies. In fact, there were times um when I worked at GameStop, I actually had to turn people's copies of Grand Theft Auto Vice City away because it didn't say second edition at the bottom on the PlayStation 2 copy. And it still had the hot coffee mod in it. So, yeah, I remember that for San Andreas because you technically got three versions of that game out. You had the original PlayStation 2 version, which I owned. You had Mm -hmm. the the second edition of it for PlayStation 2, which was the one that removed the hot coffee mod. Mm -hmm. And then you had the Xbox version that was essentially the port of the second edition of the PlayStation 2 one. Right. Because that was the only way it was going to be able to get over there on Xbox, if I remember the stories from back in the day. So, yeah, you're right. They had to release those multiple copies. And then, you know, for people who are collectors, obviously having the original, because it has that built into it, that's that's definitely, you know, a high value thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking, especially like in the world of like game breaking bugs, you know, if we go back to like, say, the cartridge, like really looking at the cartridge days here. This one ended up only being fixed on a fluke, and it ended up being Donkey Kong 64, where the oh, developers yeah. – Yeah, it's where the developers found out that the only way they could fix the bug, because you can only progress so far in the game, and then once you hit this, that was it, was that the uh, expansion pack was required. And yeah. something about the way the expansion pack handled the the memory bump in that game also fixed the uh, the bug. And the problem, and that's why Donkey Kong 64 shipped with it. There wasn't any enhancement that it actually got from it. It was right. actually built to run just on the standalone N64. 
So the fact that that was the way they were able to solve the problem before shipping it was a good thing. But it's just one of those, I especially think, on the cartridge front that's like, wow, that's that's a pretty crazy thing to at least see as a problem, you know, or at least find as a problem. And then that's the way mm-hmm. you solve it. Then going ahead into looking at a disc-based console, I go to the PlayStation 2, and I don't know if you remember me talking about this story. Um, it was like one of the – I can't remember exactly what episode it was of one of the topics that we were talking about, but – on the in the PlayStation 2 days I used to be a member of like what was it the official PlayStation magazine or something like that or the PlayStation mm. Club at that point and I would get demo discs in the mail I think once a month right and one of those demo discs happened to have beautiful Joe 2 I think on it and I had played every other demo on that disc and I actually played those demos several times over because they were that good because mm-hmm. at that point in time in my life as a kid, um, you know, we weren't really well off. And so being able to buy a new video game took a while. So I play a lot of those demos over and over again. Well, I hadn't touched Beautiful Joe. And I was like, okay, this looks kind of cool. Because they have a little video preview that would show on there before you launch it. Or when you're in the demo thing and before you launch it. So it's like, okay, I'll give this a try. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know is that there was not a game-breaking bug built into it there was a system breaking bug that was in it. And what this bug would do is as the game loaded up would corrupt your memory card. And the only thing you could do was just format your memory card. So if you had a memory card plugged in that had all your saves on it, you're going to lose everything there. There's no way to transfer them or carry them over to anything else. And it wasn't until about a month after uh, that happened to me that a letter came in the mail Okay, if that really sits in your head, you know, a letter coming in the mail from PlayStation that said, do not play Beautiful Joe 2 because it will cause this problem. And they had no remediation for it. They didn't send out a new demo disc with the with like a with the fix in it or anything. It was just don't play it. So wow. I ended up losing saves for a complete 100% run of Kingdom Hearts 2. I lost saves for 100% completion of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and Vice City. I oh. lost unlocked vehicles from atv off-road fury 2 unlocked vehicles and uh and um equipment uh there was stuff i lost in there for socom 2 there was there was a lot that i ended up losing in there because of that bug and that was one of those things that was a risk at that point in time because the playstation 2 could connect to the internet but the playstation network and xbox live were still in their infancy and there really wasn't much that you could do about that stuff. There was nobody delivering patches over the internet. There wasn't anybody delivering those fixes there to, to help take care of problems. You were just stuck with it. So, you know, those are at least the two that come to mind for me about, you know, problems there, but you know, it's just, that's just the way it was for us. And while it shouldn't be acceptable, at least at that point anyway, you know, that just put more emphasis on the developers to really, hash out the problems in their games and really test things through. Now, of course, getting into a little bit more on the the meat part of our topic anyway here is, you know, the internet's coming to our house. Being mm-hmm. able to actually have an internet package that gets you really decent speeds. You know, I've got 400 megabits per second down for less than $100 a month. And I can download a game, watch a video, and do a whole bunch of other things at the same time without causing a problem. 
And because online has invaded, of course, the house anyway, and now has become such a necessity for everyday life, you know, it's it's not a surprise that everything needs to be connected to the internet now. So mm. now, of course, that it's here, and or it's, it has been here, and of course, consoles have really relied on it in the last couple of generations. It's interesting to see how developers have really kind of handled day one patches. And it's interesting to see how many of them have put out day one patches in the first place. I mean... Well, it, it, it's funny now that we, we shift to that day one patch because you think about the uh, the transfer from the Xbox 360 to the Xbox One. There was so much pushback from people because everyone thought that the Xbox One was going to have to connect to the internet day one when you first brought it home and it was going to have to be connected all the time regardless and there there was going to be drm uh which yeah it's a good thing they got rid of because especially for physical media that kind of sucks if you know you buy a disc and it burns you know this is you know th- so and so's copy into that disc it only works with this one console with this serial number if your console blows up well then you have to go buy another copy you know exactly yeah um and i think in that instance if they were going to go that far then they might as well just make the uh the disc something that you put in to check and if you want and you just download the game anyway yeah it needs to be more like the disc is a key and allows you access to the game because especially like nowadays where you put in a game and it installs it to your your console you know you pull that disc out you can't play the game you need to actually have the disc in there that would have been something i could see as being a thing you know that that's understandable on the other hand you get to the end of the xbox one ps4 generation and could you imagine not having your console plugged into the internet I know a lot of the promise there of, hey, log into your Xbox account here and via Game Pass, if there's a game you want, hit the button here and for convenience, we'll install it to your Xbox while you're at work. So when you get home, you got a brand new game to play. And if you're a a new user and if you've if you're a new user and you've never done Game Pass before, buck a month for three months, hop on board, you know, they want you to connect your console to the Internet anymore. Yeah. It's it's becoming one of those things, and it does offer a massive level of convenience to be mm-hmm. in an always-on scenario like that, be exactly for that. You know, there is a game that comes out. You can log into the app. You can download it to your Xbox while you're away, get it installed. I believe it's – I don't know if it's actually the same for the PlayStation side, but because I'm primarily Xbox and PC in this house, but – if it is, then, you know, it's like it's still that level of convenience to be able to save you the time because, I mean, Internet is getting cheaper. And to be able to download something really quick, it helps. It helps you be able to actually consume more content. It's well, it's a big deal. And even the uh, holy grail of of what a, uh, a video game collector's console would be, their company, the Nintendo, they even have games now that require you to go online and download a chunk of the game in order to even play it because you know this company may not want to necessarily put all the game on one card because some of those cards get expensive in the uh switch category 
Yeah, they that is absolutely correct. It's it's crazy to think that that's what they require there is like that's their level of DRM through the internet is to go and download a small patch for it. It's like, it's not built into the cartridge. It's not built into the disc. It's where is it that like, why is it that that requires that too? Well, and it's, it's kind of weird. Cause there are even some games that the only thing that's actually on the cartridge is the videos for the game. the actual, all the actual gameplay portion of the game is stuff that you have to download or vice versa. So you, you actually have to download all the videos and the, it's just the gameplay that's on the card, or you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it's, it's just kind of a weird shift. But, I mean, that, that, that does bring up the point, you know, it's, it's not necessarily just a day one patch at that point. I mean, that's day one. You have to get half the game off the internet before you can even play it. Yeah, and the interesting part comes down to, you know, how they actually track that part of it. Like, is it like maybe like the day or the week before the game comes out, you know, Mm -hmm. in in those always online connectivity uh, sessions, you know, do they end up downloading something that says, hey, this game is going to have it, even if you don't buy the game? But then say like say like your internet goes out, but mm-hmm. you go and pick up a new game anyway, because it's like, well, the internet's out. I could probably still play this anyway. What would happen if your internet's completely out and you put this game in and somehow there's some sort of little little metadata file installed on your console that says, Hey, there is a day one patch for this connect to the internet to download it. And then you now cannot play that game. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things that becomes concerning because the internet in the United States, especially is not equal. And to have always online connectivity is not feasible for some people, especially those who might be on a metered internet connection. It's Mm -hmm. getting better a little bit, but at the end of the day, you still have people who have that potential to go over their data caps. Oh, definitely. Especially yeah. with, you know, the amount of data that, that people use in just like streaming, uh, music, video content, and then you figure gameplay on top of, you know, whatever work that they do from home here in the, the last, you know, year and a half, two years. Exactly. Exactly. You think about the amount of internet you're going to be taking up for things like that. It's, oh my gosh, I I can't imagine. I've never been on a metered connection before, except with like when I had service with AT&T several years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, for, uh, for phone. And yeah, when I had my mobile internet only allowed at like two gigabytes per month. I mean, I was burning through that just on my own in a week. Right. Yeah, I know. Uh, when I was on uh, the Verizon metered connection, I was burning through something like 10 gigs in about three, three and a half weeks. So that last week, I was like, well, do I really want to watch this video or can I wait till I get home? You know? I got it. Don't stop anything in Audacity. I, I just got to change up my headset you know? really quick. Well, I'll do this. Hang on. Hang on. 
Yeah, I remember when Verizon was really big into throttling their data as well. And then, of course, T-Mobile upended everything by offering you know, the unlimited data stuff now. And of course, then they flipped it back around. But that's the same problem that people still run into. I mean, there are even people who still rely on actual mobile internet connections in their house, not only to connect not just their consoles, but everything else that's in there, because that's all they have. Yeah, so that's one of those problems that you're still going to end up experiencing. And it's one of those things that kind of forcing people to be always online and then coming up with those data caps you're going to end up running into a problem, especially on the console side of things. That's why day one patches are so disconcerting because it's, I don't know necessarily if it's a problem with the devs per se or the development process, you know, when things like crunch come into play. But I mean, in the, in the biggest ski or like in the grand scheme Mm -hmm. of what we've seen so far, I think the biggest disappointment we saw was the cyberpunk 2077 launch on last gen consoles. And of course, that was that ended up being such a rush job, even after all the years of it being talked about and such, that they only literally just got it to a point. I mean, we reported on it in the um, in the news that CD Projekt Red CEO was like feeling much more satisfied about the state of cyberpunk. It's like, okay, it only took you seven months, then I guess. So, congrats to you. No, more so, congrats right. to your team for actually figuring this thing out because obviously, you know, they weren't the problem, but you know, that was on the extreme situation though, for patching and having to fix things. Because even to this day, uh, the PlayStation store still says, or has a pop-up that says this is better on the PS4 pro and PS5. It's still broken on PS4 to a point. Yeah. So it's an interesting situation, especially like looking at Mm -hmm. that one, but you know, everything has, a day one patch somewhere there, you know, it it really feels like, I think every time you put a game in, it's like, okay, here's something new to download immediately because something was missed. And I don't know if it's the fault of the devs necessarily, or the fault of the publishers or, or again, the way crunch works, anything like that. But because it's become such a norm, it just feels weird to think that we haven't had like a complete game you know, released well, I mean, in, like a, a, I, out of AAA titles. In I feel such like a long we time. have That's at least with how some I of feel. the cartridges. I don't know about you. Even if you, you know, didn't have a internet connection with, with like uh, Mario Ga- or not Mario Galaxy. Uh, shoot, uh, Mario Odyssey. Excuse me. Um, I I feel like you would you would have a fully complete experience. And Nintendo first party titles right. still tend to be generally in the realm where they are complete day one and you're able to play the whole game i mean obviously uh what was it uh mario party did not fall into that category only getting online play you know how many years after release just recently right Right, and that's even one of those games that, like I mentioned, is that mm-hmm. it's like a lot of couch co-op stuff has been, at least more recent stuff, has been relegated to more like party games. Uh, take like what I was talking about, you know, before we started recording, was my kids really wanted to play Forza Horizon 4 together. You can't do it. I would have to go and install 
Forza Horizon 4 on the or other Xbox here. And you could sure both have you Xbox could set Live one of accounts. them up with a tablet so that, could that play has together. the app. You know, that you there's can get no on to Game thing Pass. There to do it. But I mean, even then, you know that they they still are required to have a separate profile that you oh, pay God. for. Yeah, that's true. You know, separate connection to, and and you know, and then beyond that, the game has to be on there that they want to play. Uh, Horizon is, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, uh, actually, I, don't I even think know if Motor, Motor Sport right 7 and Horizon, so, or Horizon 4 okay. both are. So there's they that, might have then, more you know, of that's them great, on there, but, but I know those for sure because they're on my computer. Fair enough. Okay. Well, even so, you know, there are a lot of mm-hmm. games like we go back. Like I remember being able to play, uh, yeah. you know, the original like Need for Speed Hot Pursuit on PlayStation with split screen. You know, that was a very capable thing. And I know a lot of developers are saying it's like, well, we don't want to impact the the quality of this game by introducing something like this. We don't want to we don't want to put something in here that's going to make the game look worse than it already does now. It's like if you're playing something like a shooter or you're playing something like a racing game, does it really matter what it looks like? I mean, or at least like the graphical quality of it. I mean, as long as it's enough to see where other people are at, you know, I mean, don't skimp on things, of course, but it doesn't seem to make any sense or any of the logic. There yeah. Like I, they I remember back like in the day other than when it comes to like to a be money able to buy, um, like a, a shooter game. And if you didn't even have friends to play with, you could play bots offline. Like think about Perfect Dark and 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 Goldeneye and stuff. You could you could throw bots in. And yeah. You with like Perfect Dark, you could even make them pretty smart or give them kind of a, a personality of a, of a sort. You know, make them look for specific guns. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could really, really up that there. And that was an enjoyable experience at that point in time. Because even then, you know, there wasn't anything to connect to the internet. There was the 64DD that never made it over here to the United States, uh, which right. was supposed to have internet connectivity built into it. But even then, most of your households were on dial-up. So there really wasn't a lot going there, of course. But you did have a lot of really in the PC space, you did have a lot of online multiplayer yeah. going on for things like Doom and Quake. Uh, like, you know, just the, the couple examples, at least for that point in time. Uh, but exactly. It's like these games back in the day, it's like you had the ability to but be able going to play back for to hours the 360, on end and, and, and on, on do the 360, some of these things here without having to be online. We saw the it. shift that... And I'm not saying online is they bad. They were releasing uh, split-screen racing games, you know, with, with Need for Speed, and then all of a sudden... It wasn't split screen in, anymore. You you had to play online with people if you wanted to play against someone. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly a very good way to like a very good example to bring up on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we made a mention, of course, there. Um, at least I think we did about. Outriders, of course, but then let's look at, you know, like Back for Blood coming up right now, which Back for Blood, of course, for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, 
is going to be the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead. It's being made by Turtle Rock Studios, who made Left 4 Dead. And what they're doing is they are kind of bringing back that same formula, except as of launch, or at least when it does launch in October, is going to have online only. That means if you want to play by yourself with AI characters in there, outside, of course, of the AI zombies, but if you want to play with other characters That's a turn off for me. AI, I'll, I'll you be honest. are not going to be able to unless and you And I'm to the really internet. excited about this game. Which makes really, no sense. Really, really excited about this game. I agree. I, it is a turn off for me as well. Mm-hmm. Same. Same, because I have many hours in Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. I would love to be able to to go back to something that's like that. You know, I know, of course, for some reason, the Left 4 Dead style of game just kind of just, boom, kind of came back out of nowhere, not only with Back 4 Blood, but there's a couple other games coming down the line, though, too. However, the fact that a game that is being made by that same company doesn't have an offline component boggles well, and it, me it just kind of because the they were able to do it, it before. Is this going to be a $60 game? If it's going to be lacking content that they previously had, in a in the exact style of game that they produced before same company then you know is it is it going to be really a $60 game are they going to continuously come out with content are we going to see more maps released for free uh different weapons changed out are are you know are they going to run special events throughout the year what what's going to happen with the game that that makes it worth the price point and the fact that I have to be connected to even play single player. That is the question that we still don't have answered yet either. A lot of it, in my mind, like this just kind of popped in my head, that they must be offloading some of the AI stuff for the actual zombies and monsters in that game to the cloud. They've got to be offloading, I think, some of that AI uh, out there so that way at least like they could put more emphasis on everything else that's going on in the game. Because I can't think of anything logically that would preclude them from not including an offline mode in the first place. So that's just why it confuses me. Yeah, and... I don't know. I, I, mean, I guess maybe they can worst do it. case just, scenario, and this is, this is kind of grabbing at straws, but maybe it's... Com- maybe it's companies getting the fear that what if we release a game that that isn't yeah, complete anymore and we, we're gonna have to patch it day one what if we find something last minute when it's getting put on the shelf that someone goes oh, oh guys we forgot <laughs> you know yeah i mean that's very true. Like I said, I don't grab think it in straws, the certification but... process for games, you're going to come across maybe like that part of it because, yeah, especially because so many people who buy these consoles anyway, the, the even going into mm-hmm. the previous generation of consoles, people who are buying these already have <laughs> an, internet, an internet connection. I keep on like slurring my words together into like just one big People who already have an internet connection anyway, you know, they're going to connect it right up no matter what. They're going to get in there and do it because for a lot of these people out there who buy these consoles, that might be their only source of entertainment. Not necessarily playing the games, but the apps that are built in as well, though, too. HBO Max, Twitch, um, Netflix, 
the, the, there's just a litany of them out there. And then, of course, it's also the multiplayer dynamic when it comes to actually playing games, because, I mean, can you it really comes back to the couch co-op type stuff is that, you know, the pandemic really highlighted mm-hmm. that multiplayer is the way to keep people together in in more ways than one. So you're not going to really see, I think, many people who won't connect their console to the Internet. But still, though, to at least force a requirement right. is bizarre when you've proven in the past that you but, don't need something like that. Yeah, go, going back to the Outriders yeah. thing. Um, but I guess it... And, and go ahead. since go ahead. We, we had kind of focused on on games getting recalled in the past... You look at a game that is going to require an internet connection for single-player mode and for it to kick you off the internet and and lose your saves and lose your progress and and do this type of thing to you. Like, that also speaks to incompletion as well. Like, they, they should not have probably put that out quite yet. They should have had some quality-of-life tests done or some more quality of life tests done on on long term play of the game, especially under under server duress, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's that's been a problem going on yeah, for so long know, now. That uh, you know, a lot like, of companies I, have gotten they haven't much the better lessons. about actually having having the servers available when they have a game launch or, you know, uh, especially day one, you know, you, you think you're going to have how many million people trying to download the game simultaneously and then immediately access multiplayer. And a lot of games have gotten really good at it. Now they've got it down to a science. A lot of, a lot of publishing companies are just like, yeah, no big deal. But then you turn around and Outriders is kind of like, well, we tried, guys. <laughs> yeah, that. well, <laughs> I don't even want to consider it tried. It seems more like they, they just did want to put the effort in there to actually mm-hmm. put in any type of safe feature. But it seems like Outriders anyway, though, was supposed to be more dynamic anyway. So that's why they put all of the emphasis to being online in the first place. But internet stability here, even in the United States is right. Never but 100% I, I mean, unless you're one of those people in, who's in, able to afford that, something like, like a fiber connection. That, that sort of game where it, it just drops you all the time. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're planning for that, shouldn't you plan for there to be some sort of like benefit for the mm-hmm. player? Like if it's going to happen to them, be like oh well you know sorry this did happen but you know you're gonna be able to still do this or you know still gain access to these things you know you're not just gonna lose the story try try and you know figure out a way to keep the player engaged whether it you know i i I guess the engagement is what i'm really going after it just keep them there after it keeps dropping you How how do you do that Yeah, exactly, especially mm-hmm. because of the fact that you have to restart 
you have to go back that to wherever it was that you began literally at, unwillingly playing and Returnal. can lose hours <laughs> of playtime, hours of effort. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely right. But man, I... This isn't necessarily like to bash on anything online anyway with what we've been talking about mm-hmm. because... Like I said there earlier is that being online has become a necessity to everyday life and to not necessarily find a house with internet in it is I think in our current situation right now kind of comes off as bizarre, but you have a lot of people who don't have a regular internet connection in their home. I mean, the FCC recently put out a study where they combined data from their own investigation with what Mm -hmm. Microsoft's collected with also what speed test has collected with what ukla has tested you know and has put it all together into something to actually show average speeds the number of connections in a in a given even neighborhood and and have expanded that out to show the exact disparities of it so a lot of these new consoles and even these new games put off your could potentially put off what used to be your core player base because you force the online stuff on it though again not saying that all online functionality is bad. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm glad at least looking at what they did with Mass Effect, for an example, is that Mass Effect shipped with both a play disc and an install disc. So if you were a person who did not have an online connection, you could install Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3 and be able to play through all three games and all that DLC without having to be connected to the internet. Would you miss a patch? Absolutely. See, and I... But they were at least cognizant enough to like have that in there. I feel like that's kind of where a console should still be at. You know, there right are now. ways to be able to help do that. Um, it is I feel like you should still be getting an installed disc. There, there's a lot of people that won't let go of the the disc drive in a console in the first place. So, so make it useful for something, you know, other than just a, a DVD or Blu-ray player. Like, give me the install disk, give me the data right there day one so I don't have to connect online. But if I want to connect online and stuff, if I really need to to get the full experience, I mean, you're going to have a PC anyway. And it's going to most definitely be connected online at this point. So. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why it's like, I want to move in here Mm -hmm. to the next thing that kind of deals with what we had reported on for Open Critic this last week. And it really does involve online only because it's going to change the dynamic of what you actually see in video games here soon. Is that uh, Simul Media this week has released their Player Wow platform to allow for targeted advertising in video games. So the way that that works is developers can code this software right into their game. And as long as that game has an internet connection, it will be able to pull in targeted advertisements from Simul Media servers. So based on all the different market research it has and information mm-hmm. it has potentially about you, they're going to be able to target advertisements to you in your video games. And of course, that's all possible by being online. Now, the way that this works though is they there's a lot of data harvesting that goes into it. You know, they'll get 
whether it's that they get certain metrics about you. I mean, they're not going to go granular. They're not going to, they're, they're not going to go like crazy, crazy granular and say, okay, you're, you're 35 years old and you live alone or something. No, they're going to, they're going to be more like you live you're, or you're between the ages of 25 and mm-hmm. 40 and you play a lot of racing video games. You know, they can see in your library that you've got a lot of Forza and need for speed and, and and such, you know, just kind of examples. What you then see from there is that you might see more targeted advertising that relates specifically to it. It's just like when you go on the internet and you're looking at something at Amazon, and as you're scrolling through a website, here's mm-hmm. a here's an ad for the exact thing you were looking at, or something very similar to what you were looking at. It's gonna you're gonna be tracked that same way, and that's a way a lot of that um, advertising works because Simul Media does their stuff in pay television. So that's what you're going to be seeing coming to game soon because the, de- the developers will be able to code that in and serve you advertisements for them to make extra money. The way to do that, though, is to be online. That's, that's one of the key factors of it. And I think you're going to see way more games now, especially if that platform does become adopted like crazy. I mean, EA and Res are already signed on to use it. EA did use it in a test last year. Uh, Res did with Smite. Uh, so forgot to mention there, the one that EA did it mm-hmm. with was UFC four. Um, you know, EA is a big company. Imagine going into like, let's say apex legends as an example. And on the, uh, on the banner screens that they have there to show who the current leader is in the uh, game, you know, in the match that you're in at that point in time, it changes to an advertisement for, for something. I mean, at that point in time, when they tested UFC four, they were advertising for, uh, what was it? The boys on Amazon prime. Now it could be anything that goes up there, but imagine you're running through a game and now you're getting real life advertisements up there, or you get into a spot where you can't really play the game because you have to actually work your way through an advertisement. It's a problem we've been dealing with in the mobile game world. It's just something we haven't had to experience in console or PC games, except maybe, dead uh what is it um yeah. death stranding because there were advertisements in there for what was it norman reedus's show on amc the not the walking dead but something else he was doing of course monster energy um, was a sponsor in there monster i don't know if we saw ads drinks. for them but it i know was, at least we did for that show that norman reedus was some doing. uh product placement for sure right Right, but it's not like every week they changed it, and it's like he's drinking Monster this week, and next week he's drinking Amp, and then the week after he's drinking um, a Rockstar. You know, they're not cycling through all these different things, but I mean, for the stuff that dynamically um, changes, we've had product that requires online connectivity. Of course, you you look at like especially Spider Man and stuff. Um, I think one of the first games that actually utilized any sort of like targeted advertising per se was actually prototype um it, there were billboards that would actually change in the game if i recall um and it, it was only for a, a certain amount of time after the game came out and then they were just fixed on something but for a while there it, i i'm almost certain there were there were actual advertisements on a couple of the billboards um Nope, were you going to say something? Mm. 
No, I'm just, I, I was actually looking it up while you were talking about it. And yeah, you're right. Cause uh, I found an old game facts uh, forum post here from 2011 that talked exactly yeah. about that. People saw advertisements for GameStop, Hollywood video. It, if you want to was... throw yourself that far back. Uh, oh, DC yeah. Comics. It was ever so uh, minor, see, though, in that here. game because it uh, was Scott literally the billboards the that would have been advertisements in the real world anyway. That's kind of cool that they did it that way. And, you know, to make a few extra bucks, cool. But, I mean, the way EA's doing it, and here's where I have the biggest problem, is EA's throwing it into actual paid games to try and make it like a real-life experience where, last I checked, if you paid for pay-per-view, you ain't getting advertisements. And if if I'm playing a UFC game, I want to be experiencing the pay-per-view experience i want to bring myself really into watching it you know but i i I don't know i i I feel like i would have less of a problem if they yeah if there were less intrusive advertisement in games like apex say they did do, do some targeted advertising like they did back in the day with prototype where it was just a billboard what what if um it just flashed all of a sudden, you know, here's the current leaders. Buy Doritos Locos Tacos. Here's the current leaders, you know? <laughs> That's also very true. That's also very true. But the bigger difference with that, mm-hmm. though, is that was just more revolving content that may not necessarily have related to you. I mean... For gamers, of course, like in that list, you know, I mentioned GameStop, Hollywood Video, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. You know, those are things that appeal to gamers because GameStop, you got buying games and trading in games. You've got Hollywood Video to be able to go and rent games. You've got Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which if that was talking about the movie, you know, that's based on a comic book that has a lot of video game references in it. And even the movie still had that, too. You know, it really was just more of like these are Mm -hmm. ads for potential nerds and gamers, you know, and this is the stuff that, you know, they would expect to see. It wasn't targeted. Like I've got, you know, with my kids in that, like, you know, if I've got something going on there where one of the kids is playing a game on the console, you know, am I going to start getting advertisements for, oh, what is it? Ryan's I see what world? you're saying. And, you know, I, I, am I going to start I feel getting like advertisements that does cross the line, especially if it becomes targeted the and they're, they're looking them, at your game you know? library. They're looking at your saves. They're looking at your your search history and they're they're delving into aspects that shouldn't necessarily be tied to your Mm -hmm. games like my my facebook isn't tied to my to my uh xbox at all in fact my my facebook has very little tied to it but you know i i like to try and keep certain things separate but I mean, if they're if they're gonna change the privacy policies to include stuff like targeted advertising, that's kind of sketch. Yeah, but it's not like when I'm talking targeted advertising, I'm not. It's more like things that might interest you, maybe not necessarily things that immediately relate to. Mm-hmm you yourself like i can see on discord right now that you know you're you're drinking a rock star back there and of course i went the generic route with a 
with a diet Sam's cola because I don't have anything else in the house. Um, but you know, if they were directly targeting you with like Rockstar or something like that, it's like, how would they have got that info? You know, they don't know exactly what you consume. It's like, you know, maybe it was just a crazy random happenstance that that's what they hit you with, but it requires that online connectivity to harvest that data and get that information. Um, you know, directly from you if you're playing a game, unless you're one of those who maybe cross-links your accounts. Like maybe you have your Facebook account linked to Xbox. Okay, depending on the terms and conditions there and the the EULA, well, maybe not EULA, that's probably not the right one to use, but the, the user agreement there between the two platforms, there might be a certain amount of data that you actually share between them so they can harvest that from your Facebook account. You know, it's just it, just as an example from that one, of course, so that you can avoid targeted in a lot of those ways. But because of the online component, though, of course, it's always going to be there and mm. you have the potential to be hit by it at some point. However, like you just said, though, advertising that doesn't necessarily detract from the ability to play the game like billboards changing around or let's say you're playing. Oh, I don't know. Let's say you're playing a. F1 or NASCAR or something that's like more of a specific racing game and those like banners that are along the edges of the the guardrails and that that might have like a a racing company's brand on it or something you know I could see those changing because that's what you see in mm -hmm. real life and kind of similar to like what you saw in UFC 4 where they tried to make it very similar to what happened Which I, I, I have to regular mention, UFC fights. I did think it was that funny. There were reports replay, you just have a little flash of an uh, playing on PlayStation but, 4 uh, on UFC that were getting Google Stadia uh, commercials. That, that can happen. I mean, that's also very possible to happen. You, I mean... It's like you can sometimes see ads mm -hmm. for competing television services on, you know, on a the television service you might subscribe to. You know, I know I see it sometimes and it just it happens to happen. It's just what advertisers pay for. You know, it's I don't want to necessarily focus too much more on the advertisement stuff per se, but it's just one of those things that still relates into the online only part of it. And as long as it's done in the right way, you know, there's that that could be, you know, okay, fine. But imagine if you are on a rate limited network connection and your Xbox connects up to the internet and maybe you're playing a game offline, but you're still connected to the internet anyway. What happens if you've got advertisements right. downloading in the background to throw themselves it's into your eating game up your you connection. know you're not using it's, the internet in the it's first place? killing your bandwidth if you're trying to do you know, something else in the house. That's another one of those know. things. Yeah, especially. I mean, that's that's a very, very real possibility of something happening there, too. But I guess we're going to have to see exactly how it's handled. Um, you know, but overall in the online only stuff, I, I, I don't know really what else there is to say here. Um, I guess I'll kind of give a summary, at least from my mm -hmm. side on where I see things are, are at right now is that online only is going to be here to stay, but I don't think game companies really have much of an excuse 
for day one patches and for adding in online only components when they previously proved that they are capable of adding in offline uh, like an offline option if you so choose to use that on top of that i also see that the concern with being online is going to affect people's wallets because you're going to have those people who don't have the ability to you know get a standard like unlimited data package from whoever their isp is they're going to be rate limited you get stuff downloading in the background whether it is a game update whether it is a advertisement when they start doing this advertisement platform whether it's telemetry and marketing data whatever it is that's going on in the background there's always gonna be data going in and out you can shut off your console all the way but there might be some people who go pick up these consoles and not realize that mm-hmm. when you're turning mm-hmm. them off they're only just going into standby they're still awake and doing stuff you just don't see it so that's that's my summary of kind of what we've talked about. I, I, I what think do you, you think, though, Kyle? Did I miss pretty anything much there? Covered anything you want to circle back um, around to? The only really thing quick? that I'd really like to add is, as far as the targeted advertising goes, I, I think it's more acceptable. It, it's still not not a great thing for video games, and not good by any means. But I, I feel like it's more acceptable in free to play games, um, and for for the industry to try and thrust uh, advertising on us in in a regular game that we have to pay full price for is just absurd. And the the aspect of that to to be added to a game in order to generate profit from from games that launch yearly and gross millions of dollars and and still manage to beat previous years every now and then um to have to try and make excuses to put advertising into games is absurd and i i think that behavior from from the industry needs to stop but i also feel like i i i think it would be cool if uh there were major industry heads that that got behind trying to make something happen with the internet in the US as a whole so we could normalize it bring everyone up to a good speed and and you know then then if they wanted to do some of this stuff maybe it wouldn't be so harmful to the end user Very true, Kyle. Very good addition on that one for sure. This is not to say that being online is a bad thing. You know, to reiterate this for the last time, being on the internet has become such a core part of our livelihoods, and it became very apparent during the pandemic with everybody working from home and doing virtual Mm -hmm. schools that to be able to stay connected and communicating with people when you couldn't see them, the internet became that gateway to stay in touch with everybody. And especially in the world of gaming with not only animal crossing, but we also had among us jump up in popularity to be able to bring people together. It has its merits and it has its value, but there needs to be a real deep dive in and understanding about the way the internet is here in the United States 
especially yeah. when looking at things that require an online only component to your game. So with that, that is this week's NPCs discuss. If you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, by all means, please drop that to us. You can drop that to us on our Facebook. You can drop that to us on our Twitter, or you can even drop that to us in a DM on Twitter or even Facebook. Pick which way you want to do it. We're here. Of course, if you like this and you like any of our other podcast episodes, please make sure to subscribe to them on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Our homepage is anchor.fm slash b-npcs-podcast. Find all the links to the platforms we're supported on. Again, thank you everybody for tuning in this week. We will catch you all in the next episode. Laters.